Welcome back to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing scripture. Today I'm gathered around the table with Nathan and Dr. Bailey. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing fantastic. fantastic. Thank you. Good, good. Nathan, how's the baby doing? He's doing pretty good. He's uh he's getting really big. Yes he is. He's yes he is. Chunky monkey. Whatever. <laughs> what is he eleven pounds on? I'd I'd probably say he's probably close to twelve. Man. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, Pastor, how's everything going on your end? It's going great. Church is doing well. We're seeing still, still seeing some consistent growth, and uh, you know, just good, uh, good results. God's really been good to us. Uh, I uh, firm believer that the results are up to Him. We just have to have to be faithful, and uh, He He blesses us with what He wants to bless us with, and we see the growth He wants us to see. He said He'll build His church, so we're letting Him do it, and He right. seems to be doing doing as he pleases yeah that's good and uh to give an update to those listening uh, we did have an uh, awesome opportunity to give uh to those that were affected uh, by the hurricane in our church it's sad to see um stuff like that happen to a country especially a country as small as the bahamas with yeah. not as much or not as deep pockets as the united states may have yeah um, but it's it, it is a great opportunity for us to work through a local minister there to see souls reached. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and for those that are listening, you know, this may be a good opportunity just to say a word about uh, you know, if 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 they're looking for if you're looking for people worthy missionaries or worthy people there on site in the Bahamas that know the terrain, know the situation. Uh there's none better than brother Ricardo Lees. Uh he's a missionary that's supported by our church here. And we'd be happy to provide his information to any of you listeners that want to know more about his ministry. Uh, we have already channeled our offering through him, and um, he's in Nassau, uh, which is uh, was strangely spared <clears throat> by the hurricane. Some damage, but not near as devastating as the other places. And so he is. Uh, he's all the people now are going to Nassau, so he's in an ideal position to be able to get the. Uh, uh, get the funds, get the help, and get the gospel into their hands at the same time. So uh, we'd be happy mm-hmm. to, if you want to contact us, you can telephone our office, 813-654-0836, and we'd be glad to pass on his information or help you get in contact with him or even receive an offering. If you want to send an offering, we'll be sure that it gets to him. Uh, Brother Ricardo Lee's down in the Bahamas. Good man. Yes, really sir, good he man. is. Uh, and to stay there, um, stick with it uh, while he's down there through that storm. I know that'll mean a lot to the people. Well, today's podcast is going to be a little different, and it's probably going to be this way for a couple weeks or so uh, at the minimum. Uh, We're actually going to be not going through a book, uh, going verse by verse through a book, but we're actually going to be talking about a topic that I believe uh, is safe to say it's been studied uh, by you, Pastor Bailey, for at least uh, 10 or so years, and then uh, we've been reading over it and studying and uh, comparing it with Scripture uh, for several months now as well. Uh, so we're going to be talking about this. Uh, so, Pastor, why don't you go ahead and introduce us into uh, what this is we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we, um, uh, we're, we're discussing the subject of the New Testament Baptist Confession, and uh, this is a, a work that was born, um, in my heart at least, um, a long time ago, more than two decades ago, actually in the 1990s, is when I started seeing some major, major problems among independent fundamental Baptist churches. Um, those problems included scandal of every nature, 
sexual scandal, financial scandal, a host of different uh, uh, problems that were scandalous. And then we started seeing, you know, some cover-ups and some different things that began to surface. And so for me, being a, a Bible student, the question that came to my mind was, what's wrong here? What is really wrong here that is allowing this degree of scandal and problem uh, to become such an issue in uh, in churches. And it is my belief and the belief apparently of quite a few others that uh, the there there is a uh, there is a foundation there of poor doctrine that has been built upon and now the house has become unstable because of an either an underemphasis of key doctrines or an overemphasis of peripheral doctrines that should not have been turned into major uh, issues. And so um, uh, when I started this about two years ago, I, I sat down with pen in hand and just started sketching out some issues among independent fundamental Baptists, and it led to the New Testament Baptist Confession. Originally, it was going to be called the Tampa Baptist Confession, and there were a handful of churches right here in the area uh, that were getting on board with us. But I uh, I started consulting with a number of men who were not in Tampa, not even in Florida, who said, please let us be included. And, uh, and those men uh, encouraged me at that time. Uh, it may be better suited to name this something with a more national uh, recognition than just the Tampa Baptist Confession. So the Tampa Baptist Confession became the New Testament Baptist Confession. It's 10,000 words. You can read it for yourself. It's at uh, NewTestamentBaptists.com. That's with an S, NewTestamentBaptists.com. And the confession, uh, you know, it's being well-received. There's a lot of people who are having their eyes open to some things, but uh, it is also being opposed, which is natural. And, um, you know, we were just talking about this today at lunch, you know, some of the some of the issues that we're facing in independent, in independent fundamental Baptist churches are not just borderline ridiculous. They are ridiculous. I mean, they are really over the line, incredibly uh, dangerous, I believe. So that's how it started. It started as a document, and uh, now it seems to be growing. I haven't looked at the stats uh, on the website to see many, how many have actually gone and read it or gone and visited the page. But uh, every every time that I've looked at that here recently, uh, it's it's continuing to grow. There's more and more readers, and um, I think that's a positive thing. Yeah, that's good. Um, and for those that are listening that may not have uh, been to the church or uh, haven't been on the website per se, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, your educational background uh, and what you have? Yeah, you know, normally I wouldn't make this an issue because, you know, I, I didn't I didn't go to school to. Um, you know, to be somebody, um, I really didn't, you know, it wasn't my ambition to be, uh, to be known as Dr. Bailey the rest of my life or anything of that nature. In fact, even now, you know, I have a a certain discomfort with people referring to me as Dr. Bailey, but, um, I started out, you know, I started pastoring really young. And so everything that I've done has been correspondence. Um, almost everything that I've done has been correspondence. Uh, and the reason that matters is because that really salvaged me from the classroom environments that were creating some of these problems. You know, some of the colleges were dangling all this information out in front of these students, and I, I wasn't there. You know, I got the quality of educa- education that 
I felt like I needed, and I went from a you know uh, from an associate degree to a graduate degree to a bachelor's degree to a master's degree, and all the way up to a, a PhD doctorate. And um, uh, you know, people honestly have questioned this, you know, and, and asked, you know, what are his credentials? You know, what what gives him the right to uh, you know, to discuss this subject or bring this issue to the table. And, uh, you know, if that's what you're looking for, the credentials are there. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, in my opinion, sway the, the, uh, veracity of the confession one way or the other, uh, whether I was educated or uneducated shouldn't matter. It's the word, the word of the content of God's word in the confession is what I want to emphasize the most. Right. But if that's an issue, if people are, are debating about, uh, you know, um, uh, either seniority, I've been pastor nearly 25 years, or if they're debating about, um, you know, uh, academics, then it's there. If that's a, if that's an issue, then it is there. Very good. Uh, and I think uh, from what I understood uh, from listening to you speak, a lot of this began uh, by you doing something that is not common for uh, the average church member or even the average Christian in the IFB a movement to ask is to look and say, okay, what's wrong with what we're doing? Yeah. I think that's where a lot of this roots from is we've for so long blindly followed a tradition uh, that you said that uh, most of us be quite truthful. I don't even necessarily know the true background to it. Uh, a lot of people don't know the true background to something, but they follow it anyways, just out of blind tradition. Yeah. Blindly. And you know the uh, some of the bigger personalities that existed in the uh, in the early days of Independent Fundamental Baptist was J. Frank Norris and um, John R. Rice. And John R. Rice, you know, to quantify those two men's ministries, uh, J. Frank Frank Norris pastored two churches, one in Michigan and one in, t- in Texas. He pastored them simultaneously. Uh, he would be he would spend a certain amount of time in Michigan, then he would he would. Uh, travel to texas and he would spend a certain amount of time there and back and forth he went between the two an extremely popular preacher um he was a fighter i mean he was a uh, i mean he was he knew how to scrap and uh, he stood for the truth stood for doctrine unapologetically john rice on the other hand was a little more sympathetic he had his fundamentals but he was a little more sympathetic with with those who were not exactly what they should have been. And John Rice drew some of the charismatics uh, when he would have his campaigns and his tent meetings and different things, uh, revival services in, in certain cities. Uh, people of nearly every background would come out and hear John R. Rice. So both of those men became um, big patriots in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Um, but to show you the the struggle and to show you that the struggle was early uh john r rice and j frank norris had an enormous disagreement and broke fellowship with one another and that wound up really kind of setting the stage for the mentality of independent fundamental baptists for decades and decades and decades nearly a century Mm. it set the stage that they're fighters they are contentious um and that has created, you know, we were talking about this today at lunch, you know, uh, what we do in moderation, our children do in excess. And uh, I was taught in Bible college by Dr. Simpson that 
the student is always more radical than the teacher. And so as subsequent generations have come and gone, that fighting spirit, that contentious spirit has evolved and become more and more radical as time has come and gone. And then it reached a, it sort of plateaued out in the, uh, you know, the late 1990s, the early 2000s, people started seeing the handwriting on the wall and realizing, you know, independent fundamental Baptists are, are suffering. Uh, the movement is, you know, I sat at, I'll, I'll tell you guys this, uh, I can't call any names here, but I sat at breakfast with a very well-known uh, national personality who for decades and decades, he and his dad both were uh, uh, key players in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. And uh, I used the word movement and he stopped me in the conversation. He said, there is no movement. And I was a little taken back by that. This is several years ago, and I was a little taken back by that. And I asked him, I said, what do you mean? And he said, he said, let me just tell you, he said, I'm, I'm going nationwide from coast to coast in our country to independent fundamental Baptist churches. And he said the average independent church is about 35 to 40 people. And he said, I mean, that is the average. He said, there are just as many smaller than that as there are larger than that. And so he said, this is not a national phenomenon anymore. This is not a national presence. It is, it's in decline. It's in rapid decline. It is very unhealthy. It's very sick. And, uh, and he made it uh, really crystal clear that there's a, uh, there's a falling away that's taken, a place, that's taken place among independent fundamental Baptists. And uh, there's really no way for us to know, um, you know how far this is going to go. So I think maybe the first question that we should ask you is what makes this why why is there a need for this movement rather than you know maybe some some other form of baptist you know there's southern baptist primitive baptist there's probably dozens of subcategories yeah. of baptists that yeah you're right is there anything close enough that we can join rather than start every every one of those has uh has their own set of problems every one of those has their own set of issues um you know and i really don't it's not necessary for me really to go into all the details about how each of those is, is struggling in their own right um there was a time when independent fundamental baptist meant something when you claim to be a fundamentalist you were claiming fidelity to God's word. And all of a sudden, um, personalities began to trump fidelity to God's word. And it became a movement in which it was more necessary to be loyal to a personality than it was to be faithful to the word of God. And the word of God became obsolete. And, I, and I, that sounds extreme, but that's not extreme. There's a lot of places where the Word of God became um, you know, just a footnote that they tagged on to the end of their name. And so when a movement does that, and, and as the Word of God begins to lose its influence in that movement, it becomes irretrievable. You know, This was the case with the Pharisees. Uh, the Essenes, the scribes, the Sadducees, you know, I can, there's, there's people throughout the New Testament that even Jesus was dealing with, uh, that before his words were closed, before he closed his words in the New Testament, he basically said, leave them alone, let them be, leave them unto themselves. 
And so it became an issue for me. I had to ask myself, is the movement retrievable? Can it be steered back? Can it be brought back from the ditch of bad doctrine, scandal, uh, hypocrisy, double standards, overemphasis of of uh, peripheral doctrines, underemphasis of core doctrines? And what I quickly began to understand after having this discussion with people, what I quickly began to understand is that um, no one intends for it to be retrieved. Mm. You know, they're happy with it exactly where it is. And I found that to be alarming. And that's wow. partly what started the New Testament Baptist Confession. And that's partly why I started calling myself individually a New Testament Baptist and ceased to use the terms independent and fundamental. That's good. Wow. And uh, my question to you now is all these problems that you mentioned, uh, the scandals, uh, Etc. Etc. All of them that you had just previously mentioned. What brought those about? How would those come about? Is there a certain thing, maybe uh, the power that's given to a certain person? What would bring all these problems to surface? You know, a lot of it had to do. It was it was a patchwork quilt of of mistakes, and uh, and again, I don't want to you know just beat a dead horse here, but overemphasizing things that were not didactic and not uh, not doctrinal underemphasizing those things and then excluding almost to the point of elimination of things that should have been emphasized and one of those things you know to answer your question is um they they developed a quick overemphasis of pastoral authority and it was uh, it was considered anathema if a, if a man went to his pastor and said, Preacher, I have a question. I'm curious about why we are doing some of the things that we're doing in our church. I'm curious, can you um, can you settle this for me biblically and give me a sound Bible answer on why our church behaves the way that it behaves? And rather than hearing those questions and appreciating those questions and answering those questions, pastors would just put that person in the third row. You know, they would they would immediately just castigate that person, warn the congregation without any kind of due process. Uh, this man is a troublemaker. He's asking questions, and that in and of itself is a reflection of a of a a terminal ignorance. Mm-hmm. And that developed from pastoral authority into the scandals, into the uh, you know the sexual abuse, into um, you know literally men calling themselves preaching and what they're doing is not even preaching it is uh telling stories um you know uh, really just kind of a uh self-aggrandizement you know megalomania type thing where they tell these stories and they're the heroes of all their stories we've heard that before well that's true that's absolutely true among independent fundamental baptists they they tell these grand and and bizarre stories and and it uh it sort of whips a crowd up into a frenzy of emotionalism uh, but it doesn't get us right down to the settled issues of God's word, and that's mm. huge. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't want that to sound as, you know, as benign. I, I want people to understand that is a huge flaw. That is an enormous problem in the local church, and it manifests it, itself more in independent fundamental Baptist churches than I have seen in any other denomination or any other sect. You know, and the scary thing about that to me is, is the the fact that everything has seemed to have to go through the pastor, that uh, you have to understand 
God's standards or God's rules or what God's word says through the pastor is really frightening to me is to see that um, this, because this is where the Catholics were years ago. This is where yeah. the Catholics were. It always had to be through the Pope. And that's it where resembles, that's where the Baptists yes, actually came in uh, right. being called the Anabaptists because they were rebaptizing people. Yeah. And those people, those Anabaptists and some of the other, um, you know, some of the other forefathers of the Baptist um, of the Baptist faith. You know, I, I wrote about it in the Confession about uh, Baptists in South Carolina that at one time were called Dippers, um, and of course there were the Anabaptists, and then later they became became known as some of them became known as Dippers and and different versions of them. But what what after studying the history of it, what became clear to me was that when these faithful believers came across something inside of their house, and when I say that I'm talking about their doctrinal house, when they came across something inside of their house that wasn't consistent with Scripture, they abandoned that. They did not abandon God's Word so they could cling to that error. They abandoned the error so that they could be faithful to the Word of God. And that seems to be... One of the major problems among independent Baptists is so much of the Bible has been abandoned so that personality cults and sectarianism can be maintained, and it's uh, it's it's devastating the lives of everyday church-going people. Well, what's the verse? Abhor that which is evil. Cle- uh, or, Hold that which is good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what is that? First uh, Thessalonians 5. Uh, prove all things, abhor that which is evil, and hold to that which is good. Uh, and it's crazy. Um, another major issue in the uh, church, well, I can think of several, um, and we may go through these one by one, but one I think of right off the bat is the fact that you mentioned it somewhat, uh, is you can't, uh, nowadays it's almost impossible to go ask the pastor a question. Yeah. Uh, it's impossible to have that two-way conversation with them. Um, it typically ends up being one-sided uh, and from behind the pulpit, um, and then another issue that you have there is they've went from preaching doctrine yep. uh, to preaching conviction and standards yeah. and experience and experience all of that all of that very dangerous it is <laughs> yeah any anytime someone claims experience over uh, knowledge then I just start to question you better put it in park and check it out man. <laughs> the fearful thing for me is uh, especially in that movement is uh, if you can't ask questions and I mean, Paul wasted his time writing half of the New Testament because right. uh, half of his letters were questions. He, in response read in the to letter, questions, he'd yeah. say, I have heard yeah. this, or, or I, you now have concerning asked. The, uh, concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. You know, so Paul was open to questions, and he received those questions and, and much of the New Testament church epistles section. And even if you want to go past Paul, Jesus, a lot of his teachings right. were off questions. A person would ask a question. They would come and say, uh, you know the uh, the disciples of John came to Jesus and said, "Why do we fast oft, but your disciples fast not?" And Jesus explained it to them. And when he explained it, the light came on, and they said, "Okay." And they became followers of Christ, right. which is what John wanted the whole time. You know, on another occasion, the Pharisees came to him trying to accuse him, and they said, uh, "Why do your disciples eat with unwashing hands?" And he permitted them to ask that question. Now he scolded them, and he gave them a a lashing, you know, for uh, for their misinterpretation of uh, the ceremony of washing hands. But nevertheless, uh, much of the New Testament is in response to questions, and we've gotten to a place among independent Baptists where questions are um, are considered rebellion. 
Well, and you'll remember the one time when, frightening. Uh, when Jesus, uh, the little ones, the kids came to Jesus, and I'm sure even then the questions were very elementary. Yeah. At that point, the disciples tried to discourage the kids from they coming. Told, they, they were rebuking those children. And then Jesus said, Suffer the little ones to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So, yeah, I mean, we are we have become so unapproachable, either with a question or a burden or whatever it is, that we've, uh, you know, we can save this, I guess, more for next time. But I think the one of the main sins of independent Baptists is our light is hidden under a bushel. So right. I think that's the problem. Yeah, that's wow. NewTestamentBaptist.com, that's where the document is. Yeah, and I would encourage anyone that... Um, if you have not read it yet, uh, go out and read it, and ultimately uh, understand that this is not us uh, forcing people to go one direction or the other. We're just simply telling you, read what's out there, study, and make sure that you know what you're following, and ask Absolutely. questions. I mean, it's no coincidence that you hear of, uh, I mean, even the church we're in right now uh, dealt with a financial scandal. Uh, you hear of churches in Michigan and churches in Maryland, all over the place that are independent fundamental Baptists, and they're having sex scandals. Yeah, uh, something's the wrong. The problem is, is something's wrong. Yep, and no one is willing to ask why. The cover up is outrageous, devastating. And a lot of these pastors will just leave and go pastor another church, same name on the door. Yep, just pick up another church like it never happened. That's right. Yeah. What's the e- uh, the email where the viewers can, can send uh, questions? You can email questions to info at newtestamentbaptist.com. It's a long website. Info at newtestamentbaptist.com. Uh, or you can email our church here, info at brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. We're glad to answer questions. You know, that's one of the things later, you know, next week and different times when we look into the confession, uh, you know, that's one of the things that um, that we want to make clear to people is that we are not closing ourselves off from a discussion. You know, we want the discussion. We want the, uh, you know, we want rational minds to prevail here and uh, and for the Word of God ultimately to become the final authority. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a lot of our lunch times when we're all together is us just asking you question after question after question after question about uh, not just the New Testament Baptist Confession, uh, but different things. Yeah. I mean, it's it's become bad. It's It's a very... I think toxic is a good word, and you've written a book about toxic traditions. Yeah, sure have. Uh, it's become a very toxic yeah. uh, society that we live in that uh, pet peeves, whatever the case may be, is blasted behind the pulpit, Yeah, uh, even though it probably shouldn't be. Yep. I agree. It's, it's, it's a very sad state to be in, uh, but uh, we're definitely happy to do this and go ahead and get some information out there. It's been out there for a while on the website. Uh, we have been kind of studying this like i said and uh, reading it and hopefully uh, maybe even sometime we could get in another pastor that's on it yeah. and have him sit down and talk with us about it so I it's not just one man it would uh, it's many many other yeah. guys but absolutely i think this was a good introduction we set the groundwork we've realized what the problem was uh, and we acknowledge that there is an obvious problem here uh, and now we're going to go about talking about the new testament baptist confession in later episodes and how we believe that this could help remedy and fix some of the problems. Absolutely. Um, so thank you guys for listening to this episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing Scripture. Thank you, guys.